You are listening to the Holmes Avenue Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Holmes Avenue or how you can join the mission, visit us online at holmesavenue.com. Amen. So if this is your first time with us or first time in a little while, we are journeying through the book of 1 Timothy. We've been looking at this series entitled Focused, How the Gospel Changes Our Lives. And Last week, if you weren't able to be with us, I want to encourage you to please go either on our Facebook page, you can search our church name on our YouTube, you can find it on our website, go back and listen to last week's message from Pastor Walter, because I'm doing a quick little side road coming off of that message in a different book to help support what we just went through last week. So today we're actually going to be in 1 Peter 5. Now, if you have your First Timothy journal, that's fine. I want you to keep that, and I want you to write out your notes in there with that as well so that you can see how the things, the qualifications that Paul talked about last week in First Timothy 3, 1 through 7, we see here how Peter addresses the elders and how they are to do the work that they've been called to out of that passage. This is going to be a little bit different than what we typically do. It's more of a uh, kind of a topical because we're hitting some different things. But I think that you'll understand where we're going as we go through this. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a pastor or a leader in your life that has checked off every single box and met every single expectation you've ever had of them? If you're, saying, if you're thinking, I don't want to say yes, I don't want to say no, because our pastor, one of our pastors is looking at me, it's okay if you say no. The reality is if you say, yeah, I want to know where that person is so I can figure out what we need to do to make things perfect all the time. The reality is it's not, it's not true. Like At some point, just as Pastor Walter said last week when he's talking through the qualifications and the fact that character matters, the fact is at some point, pastor's going to let you down. We're not going to meet every single expectation there may be. But I was thinking through that, and if we're honest, from time to time, we have expectations that we set for leaders in our lives that they're really not even called to. Maybe there are some unmet expectations that we think need to be met. They need to check off that box but there's nowhere in the scriptures that maybe even point that to him. Maybe we put them on this, on this higher area of saying, well, I need you to do all of this. And that's not what they've been called to do. Think over the next three weeks specifically, following after today's and then the next two weeks as we continue in First Timothy looking at deacons and then what a deacon does. I think we'll kind of play all that out. But as we continue in this, we're going to look at this message today, and we're going to look at Peter writing in 1 Peter 5, and we're going to see here this role of what a pastor elder does. So with that said, if you're taking notes, here's our bottom line for the day. Pastors are set apart by God to care for his church. Pastors are set apart by God to care for his church. Let's read together 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 5. The words will be on the screen for you. If you need a Bible, it's there in the pew in front of you. But Peter's writing, and the word of the Lord says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, 
but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. As we're looking at this passage, before I go and give you some points, just a, a quick note of housekeeping, if you will. You notice here that Peter is writing, and when Peter writes this, that very first couple of words, he says, I exhort the elders among you. This point that I want to make of housekeeping is this idea of multiple pastors, uh, commonly referred to as a plurality. We see it all throughout the New Testament. As the writers of the New Testament are writing specifically to churches, we see it here with Peter, we see it with Paul when he writes. There's no, hey, pastor, right, to the pastor of the church, it's the pastors that are there. We see it as well in Philippians 1.1 when he's opening up his letter, Paul writes to the church at Philippi and he's talking to the elders, Right from the start, we notice here that there's these multiple pastors in a church that are doing the work that they've been called to by God. Some of those other places, if you just want to jot them down, I said Philippians 1.1. There's 1 Timothy 5.17. Titus 1.5. Those are just a few to name for you to put in your notes. And by the way, you will get the email with these notes. So this means that there's multiple pastors within a church body that are there to minister to the flock. And this is a tremendous blessing and need within the body of a church. Why? We've already seen and we've looked at over the past couple weeks as we've been talking about the role of a pastor, qualifications. One verse that I'll reference to you in a few minutes, like pastoring is a heavy load. It's, It's hard work. And imagine, especially being bivocational, for example, like both Walter and I are, it's, it's hard work because there's multiple things that you have to juggle within the body and leading of the church with another job and other things, family, all of that. It's a desperate need. By God's grace, our church here at Holmes Avenue, at least for the last eight years, has had at least two pastors leading the church at a given time. Why is that so important? Well, I know pastor friends of mine who are leading by themselves. I know the weight that they carry because I'm a pastor as well. It's a heavy load. It's a heavy responsibility that we stand before God to have. And I praise God through the writers of the Old Testament being the Old Testament, I mean the New Testament being written and divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit that He needs this for us to remember and to note that there needs to be a team of guys that are leading the church. Why? Why? Think about it this way. If a pastor is by himself, a lone ranger, think about this. You ever get in those moments where you're doing something and there's just a heavy burden, heavy load, and it just kind of weighs on you? No matter what it may be. It gets heavy. It gets hard. It gets difficult. And the more and more something weighs down on you and it's heavy and it's hard work and there's multiple things to try to do to try to figure out, you get more and more further away from people. You kind of push people out because you're trying to carry all this stuff and do all this stuff. It can be isolating. It can be hard. It can be depressing at times. 
By God's grace, he gives elders to a church to come together to lead one another, to help pastor one another, to help hold each other accountable to each other. It's a tremendous blessing that God gives. That lone ranger type role of a pastor, it's, it's not biblical and it's hard. I thank God for what he's doing here and the fact that, that I don't have to pastor alone. I have Walter in my life. I thank God that we've gotten into this routine of where I don't preach every single week that he preaches as well. And as Zach is being trained and brought up for pastoral ministry, Zach preaches. I love it when we have the weeks where we have partners in ministry that come in and we hear from Rod and we hear from Matt Horn out in Denver, which by the way, Matt reached out to me this week. He wants to try to come down later this year to give an update in person and and preach. In in May, we're going to hear from David Dyer who he and his wife and family have been in Southeast Asia. He's going to be here for CSU's graduation, and you get to hear in person what God is doing there, and he also is going to preach the word. Why is that so important? Because multiple weeks throughout a month, Walter and I are both getting fed as well. We're getting to sit underneath the teaching of the word of God and be fed. That is so good for our souls. So incredibly good. By God's grace... We get to do it together. We get to encourage Zach. We get to bring other guys prayerfully over time to equip for the work of ministry. With that said, that note of housekeeping done, I want to jump into some points for us. Here's the first point. Pastors lead. Pastors lead. Pastors are called by God to lead the church. Paul states specifically Uh, excuse me, uh, Peter states specifically back in the beginning of what I told you in 1 Peter, he says there, he says, to exercise oversight there in verse two. Shepherd a flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. This means that pastors have this exercising oversight, this authority over the congregation. Now, this doesn't mean that we just walk around like a bunch of dictators telling you what to do. We have been given the call by God. We've been set apart, as the bottom line says, which is heavy. Because <laughs> we, we would tell you any day of the week, like, oh, man, let me tell you how I messed up today. But by God's grace, he's faithful to us. He gives us that mercy and that grace every day that we need. When we get the opportunity, we're set apart to exercise oversight for the church. Because we're responsible for you responsible for what we've been called to, and that is to shepherd our faith family, to lead you. Doesn't mean that we're going around and we're telling you, hey, you got to do this, this, and this. We're offering counsel. Hey, we we believe that God is leading us this way. We're not going to just come and make some huge decision without bringing it before the congregation. The congregation makes the final call on those things. But we're there to exercise authority to help you to understand, hey, this is what the word of God says. Hey, we want to make sure that we're being obedient. That's the whole purpose of this series, right? We want to be as biblical as possible here at Holmes Avenue. And so we have to follow the Lord and where he's leading us. In doing that, we're leading you as the under-shepherds to the chief shepherd. And it's specifically the flock that has been given to us by God. Look at verse 3. Not domineering over those in your charge. 
If you're a member here at Holmes Avenue, or you're toying with the idea of becoming a member, you need to understand something. When you're a member of the church, we are responsible for you. We are responsible for you spiritually before the Lord. And in doing that, part of our calling is to be examples to you, the flock. He says it there again in verse 3, as I just read, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock, set apart by God to lead, to be examples And then he gets down there in verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That idea of younger, it's it's pointing to the fact that, hey, they are the ones, the elders are the ones that have been set apart by God to lead the church. So you are under that authority. Submit to that authority. Doesn't mean that you just go by and you just do everything we say. But it's this idea of coming alongside and saying, hey, we trust that that's where God's leading us. We're going to follow you as you follow the chief shepherd. What can we do to help? What can we do to come alongside? What can we do to glorify God in this? You've heard us reference this several times throughout the series, but I'm putting this on the screen for you again. It's from Hebrews 13, 17. This is what that heavy part of it is. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Those who will have to give an account. There's a day coming when I will no longer be here on this earth. I will be in the presence of the Lord, and there's a day coming where I have to give an account for my shepherding of you. Same is true for Walter. It's heavy. But it's joy. And I praise God. And I say this knowing that as the Lord is working and moving, the enemy is ready to pounce and attack. So we have to be on guard. But I can say that right now, in the work that God is doing, it is a joy. And I praise God for it. See, God places this distinct, serious calling on the pastors, elders. Remember that word, it's synonymous together, of a church because they literally are responsible for the souls of the flock. And that leading that we do as pastors, it's to be done in a certain way. 1 Peter 5, 3 again says, not domineering. Not domineering which means that a pastor can't act like this master pressuring people under them. We've all had those kind of leaders in our lives, right? The ones that just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, micromanaging, thinking that we are to do every single thing that they tell us to do, even when it's not right. It's domineering. It's not the way it's supposed to be, especially within the confines of the church. See, there's a big word there that Paul's pointing to. He's pointing to humility. He's pointing to humility, and he's pointing to that of servant leadership. 
And I think the best picture that we have of this as we open the pages of Scripture is who? King Jesus. King Jesus. Do you recall what he did right before he is gone out into the garden to pray and he's betrayed and he's taken to be killed? Do you remember what he did right there at the point of the Last Supper? He sits the disciples down and he gets on the ground and he washes their feet. Each of their feet. He even washes Judas's feet. Even though he knows he's about to be betrayed by Judas. What a picture of a servant. A servant leader giving of himself. It's a beautiful picture of humility. And it's that of our Lord. It's that of who we are called to follow as we lead. It's who you are called to follow as you live your lives. That also means that pastors are not to be boastful, but instead to lead with humility, counting everyone more valuable than themselves. This is just an aside. And I'm not telling you this to get praise for it, but you may or may not notice, but if we have some kind of time where we're gathered together, maybe over there in the fellowship hall, it's a small example, but it's something that the Lord impressed on me a long time ago, and I've seen Walter do the same thing. We go in there, we're about to eat. He and I are the last two to eat before the fellowship team because Ed will not let them eat until everybody's been fed. But we do our best to wait until the last moment because we're trying to set an example, just a silly example is that, just to say, you guys are more important than us. We want to serve you. Pastors lead humbly and as servants. Secondly, pastors shepherd. Pastors shepherd. Peter tells the elders in 1 Peter 5, 2, to shepherd the flock that is among them. What does it mean to shepherd? Well, there's the example that we have in Scripture all throughout of the shepherd caring for the sheep, watching, protecting from attacks, nurturing, caring for them. I think the most famous example that we read in the Scriptures is that of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And we see this picture of how the Lord is our shepherd. And the way in which it's called is obviously Peter writing here, he's shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So there, being with those sheep, caring for them, as wolves are at the door, you're ready to fight them down, no matter what they bring. With our rod, our staff, to protect you, the sheep, caring for them. Next week, we're specifically looking, continuing in 1 Timothy 3 of the qualifications for deacon as it continues in our study. But there's a, a place that we kind of have as the, the first kind of place in Scripture where we get that idea of deacons from. It's from Acts 6, 1 through 4. I want to read it to you. It'll be on the screen. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. 
but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Notice the elders as shepherds, they saw the need. They saw that their people had a need that needed to be addressed and it wasn't necessarily being taken care of there in that moment. And in their giving of themselves consistently in that kind of way, they were diminishing their, their, their focus on what they should have been doing, prayer and the ministry of the word, which is the utmost of importance to the elders. Why do I point that out? It's to show, yes, that there are deacons that help come alongside the shepherds and serve the congregation, but our shepherding is also very important and it's done through prayer and the ministry of the word. Through prayer and the ministry of the word. What's that look like? It looks like studying the scriptures that we're going to teach you. It looks like quality time of ourselves spent with the Lord so that we can know how to best shepherd and care for the flock. It's by spending quality time relationally with each of you to know you better, being there for you in your time of need, loss, counseling, questioning. I heard this example many, many years ago, and it's always stuck with me when it comes to a shepherd and as a pastor, what a shepherd is to do. And just like that shepherd that is constantly caring for the sheep that he's responsible for. Remember back when Jesus' announcement heralded by the angels there are there, and, and who are these angels proclaiming it to? Shepherds. Why was that important? Because those shepherds, they were the lowest of lows at that time. They stunk. They smelt like the sheep. And God comes to them first. It's a beautiful picture of God coming to the least of these. But also, why is that so important? Why do I point it out? Because those shepherds, they weren't welcomed in to join in the worship. They didn't want them there because they, were look, they looked weird. They stunk. They, why did they stink? Because they were constantly caring for the flock that God had given to them to care for with shepherds caring for them. You might be saying, well, Brian, what are you getting at? Do we all stink and you want, us to smell, you want to smell like us? No, 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 no. But what that means is knowing you so intimately, caring for you, loving you, being there in your time of sad, in your time of joy, and being there and knowing, and it's like, man, he knows his flock. He cares for his flock. Pastor Shepherd. Thirdly, pastors teach. Pastors teach. Much like what is happening now, teaching is a big part of the role of a shepherd, pastor, elder. We see in the scriptures countless examples of how the role of a pastor is to be the primary teacher in the church. I just referenced to you a moment ago, Acts 6. And he said there, the apostle said, we need to be able to do what we've been called to do, and that is to be devoted to prayer and the ministry of the word. Devotion to it. This provides the means for the Lord to teach the shepherd, so in turn the shepherd can teach the flock. 
to feed the flock. Paul specifically calls, as Pastor Walter hit on last week, Paul specifically calls for elders to be able to teach. 1 Timothy 3.2. And Paul commands that pastor elders devote themselves to the teaching of the word, to the flock, and to be ready at all times. Two quick passages that are up on the screen for you. First, 1 Timothy 4.13. Paul says to Timothy, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Secondly, 2 Timothy 4.1-2. Paul again tells Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living, and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Why teach? Why? Think about it. Each of us have been through school. Each of us have had that authority figure over us. And that person is there to teach us what we need to learn, to train us in a subject matter, to help us learn it and understand it and apply it. Why on earth would it not be the case for God's church? I would argue it's the primary way for it to be done. It's a whole other rabbit trail, but the church, I'm not just saying home, I'm saying the church should have a way more bigger grasp on education than they do, especially in our culture today. But within the confines of our church, it is so important that the Word of God is being teached, and it is being teached correctly, biblically. Unfortunately, the reality is there is teaching of the Scriptures that is being done across our country that is not biblical. I pray by God's grace and mercy that we continue to be faithful to the Word. If we didn't have pastors to teach the Word to us, to care for us, to minister to us, to teach us and apply the truths of Scripture, then people may not be converted or they'd be sitting around just as spiritual infants, not knowing how to read the Word, not knowing how to understand the Scriptures. Praise God for each of us Throughout the course of our lives, as we've been in church, we have had faithful pastors prayerfully who have ministered to us, who have taught us the word. Lastly, number four, pastors equip. There are many places that we could go to understand this truth, but first we have to understand why the church is equipped by pastors. We know that Paul teaches in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, that the elders are given by God to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The work of ministry. There's a common belief that's happened. It it happened within the church that I grew up in, that the pastor is the only one responsible for the ministry. That is unbiblical. If that was the case, and Walter and I were only responsible for all the ministry within this church, we would only maybe prayerfully get just a little bit down the way. 
But as all of us called followers of Jesus, when Jesus gives the Great Commission and he says, go and make disciples, he doesn't just say it to pastors. It's meant and it's intended, divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, for us today, 2,000 years later, to read it and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit indwells me, so I am called to go. I am called to make disciples. I am called to the work of ministry. That's why when Paul says it there in Ephesians 4, equip the saints for the work of ministry. Equip the saints to be able to know how to digest the word, to understand it, to apply it to their lives so that as they go daily in their lives where they live, work, and play, as they engage the neighbor next door that's lost, as they engage the family member that is hostile to the gospel, and they lovingly care for that person, and they show them, and they point to Scripture over and over and over, God uses them for that work. That is ministry. That is what all of us are called to. By God's grace, he gives us that call and we follow it. Secondly, we have to understand that if the pastors are effectively equipping the saints for the work of ministry, then the deacons faithfully serve, the church goes forth on that mission. All the while, elders continue to equip. Elders continue to pray. Elders continue to teach. Paul gives a specific direction to Timothy, to pass on to pastors. He does this in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. It'll be on the screen for you. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is the part that gets me really excited. Because Paul's directing for pastors to train up other men who can become pastors, who sense that call to ministry. They say, yes, Lord. And they say, church, will you affirm this? You affirm it? Praise God. What do I do next? Pastors come alongside. They teach. They train them up so that they, in turn, can be used to go out and shepherd people. It's a continuing multiplying concept that helps further the gospel when all things are working as they should, some incredible things happen. The gospel is faithfully preached. Servant leaders are serving faithfully. The church is on mission in their daily lives. And future generations of pastors are called, equipped, ordained, and sent out to do the same thing over and over and over again. And heaven gets more crowded. Because we faithfully do what we've been called to do. I want you to imagine something with me for a moment. Imagine what our local expression of Jesus' church here at Holmes Avenue would look like if we were devoted to that simple pattern. We believe that there are those here within our family at Holmes Avenue that are being equipped, that are serving faithfully that are spending daily quality time with Jesus and they're proclaiming the gospel where they go daily. However, church, if I'm being honest, that's not all across the board. This is the shepherding part, okay? It's not happening all across the board. All of us need to be committed 
to the mission that God's called us to. All of us, if we want to see a movement of God take place, then we must all be focused on that mission. That's again why we're teaching through this series. We want to be doing all that we can biblically to in turn see heaven grow and grow and grow through faithful witness, equipping, discipling, and so on. This starts with us as pastors and it ends with all of us on mission until Jesus calls us home. Period. Now I say all that and I bring it to a close with this. Today you've heard this importance of pastoral plurality, what the role of a pastor is. And we understand that you may have questions and we'd love to pray with you, talk with you about how we can respond to that, but I want to speak specifically to followers of Jesus for a moment. Do you believe that you are following Jesus as you follow us as under shepherds? If yes, let me ask you this. Do you believe you're being equipped that you can effectively do daily ministry? Do you believe that you're being equipped so that you can effectively do daily ministry? If so, praise God. But if not, I want to ask you to please do us a favor. Come and tell us that. So we in turn can know how to best equip you to do the work of ministry. We don't think we've got it all together. We know that there's areas that are probably slipping through the cracks. But we can't know that you need something unless you come and tell us. And we will joyfully say, fine, awesome, let's help you get that so that you can do that work. Maybe you're here, you're listening online, and you'd say, I'm not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've heard this today and you've wrestled with following Jesus for whatever reason it may be. Maybe you're apprehensive of being a part of a local body of believers as a church because of misconceptions or maybe even painful things you've experienced in the past. And if you have experienced painful things in the past, I just want to say I'm sorry if that's been a reality for you. Whatever the church is, wherever it was, whatever it may have been, that's not the biblical expression of what God has called the church to be. And I'm sorry that you've had to experience that. I sympathize with you, but I want to encourage you. First, God loves you. He created you. He knit you together so beautifully in your mother's womb. He knows every hair that is numbered on your head. And he wants that relationship with you. Scriptures say that God does not desire for anyone to perish. In fact, he sent Jesus on a rescue mission to save you. What you must do is understand that, repent of your sin that separates you from God, confess Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God has resurrected him on the third day. If you do that, you are saved. If that is you today, then your faith journey can start right here, right now. We will celebrate with you. We will come alongside of you after baptizing you. You will be a part of this family. And then we will equip you 
for the work of ministry so you can go out and tell your lost friends, family, neighbors, and coworkers who Jesus is and why he has redeemed you. Also, just be frank. No church is perfect. No church will ever be perfect until we get to heaven. We've all made sinful mistakes, but we understand and know that God's mercies are new every single day. And when we live our lives knowing that and following in that, we express that in our local church to the community and those around us of who God is and what he's done. Again, I want to bring to you the bottom line for today is that pastors are set apart to care for his church. In just a few moments, we are going to actually transition and partake in the Lord's Supper here this morning. But before we do that, I want to give an opportunity if anybody says, man, I really just need prayer. I have questions that can't wait until we're done. If you have questions, if you need prayer, if maybe you're saying, hey, you're about to partake in the Lord's Supper, what is that? I just gave my life to Jesus. What does that look like? Then I want to encourage you to come and pull myself aside. I'll be up here. Pastor Walter's there in the back. We would love to pray with you, celebrate with you, and help you however we can. But I want to pray for us now. I'm going to pause for a few moments just for, just for quiet reflection and prayer. And then I'll lead us in prayer. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, Lord, you are so good. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we can have your word in front of us to teach us, to help us understand something of a serious matter of what a pastor is and what he does. Lord, I thank you that I get to be a shepherd to these people. Lord, I'm unworthy to do such a thing. But God, I thank you, Lord, for calling me. I thank you for each and every one of them and the work that you're doing in their lives. God, I pray, Lord, that you, you, Lord, would lead us Lord, that we would follow you and that we would be on mission for you, Lord, daily in our lives so the people that we love and that we care for that are so far away from you, Lord, it's unimaginable, Lord, that they could have new life in Jesus. Lord, I pray for the one that may be here today that does not know you. Lord, may today be the day of salvation for them. 
may they see that I, I desperately need Jesus and I need help to know what I need to do next. Lord, bring them forward as we can minister to them, celebrate with them. But Lord, also for those of us that know you, maybe that feel as if, man, I don't necessarily feel like I'm being equipped as best as I can. Lord, let them share that. Give us the wisdom to know how to minister and care for them and equip them for the work of ministry you've called them to. But Lord, if above all things, I pray, Lord, right here in these next few moments, God, that you would be glorified and that you would have your way. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.